You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. Today I'm chatting with an expert on rejection, Harlan Cohen, who besides being a rejection expert, also happens to be a New York Times bestselling author, a speaker, and an advice columnist for publications like The Times, Psychology Today, and Seventeen. He keeps it real and hits the nail on the head with why rejection hits us where it hurts before diving into a universal truth to help us all move into the how of getting past it productively. Stay tuned through this conversation. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And without further ado, welcome Harlan. It's great to see you. Great to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've got to tell you, we are uh, similar souls because I actually have a post-it note stuck to the bulletin board in my office and it's been there for years and it says i win or i learn but i never lose so you me and i think nelson mandela um all share that similar mantra and i'm here for it yeah we could all be roommates yeah absolutely that would be that would be exciting i didn't you know it's interesting because i didn't really i didn't really know about the the expression you know i wasn't like really tuned into win or learn till the book was written and we were just trying to figure out like what do we what do we title this and then i discovered the nelson mandela quote and then i even did a little deeper dive into nelson mandela because i figured if you know i'm going to use this quote that comes from this man with this incredible history that i should know more and just his story like his biography and and just what he went through and how he endured just massive, massive, massive rejection and resistance Mm -hmm. and was able to persevere and be able to get his message out into the world is just, I mean, it's unbelievable what that man, what that man did and, and his legacy and how it continues to, to be felt by, you know, countless people. Oh, absolutely. I would say it's a pretty, pretty fitting quote and a pretty fitting guy to base, to base a book off of. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's been yeah. It's, it's been it's been a learning experience and and uh I'm here to I'm here to learn and help people to learn and and to grow and do all those things and and uh create whatever they want, which is super exciting. Yeah. So, you're kind of a big deal. You're a New York Times best-selling author, you're a professional speaker, you're one of the most widely read and respected advice columnists for teens, for 20-somethings. Your advice has been in what? Psychology Today, 17, New York Times. So for listeners who are hearing your name for the first time today, give us the lowdown of who you are. Yeah, that's helpful. You know, it's nice because I like I like when people say that I sound like a big deal because <laughs> I never think of myself as a big deal. Like truly, truly, my head is just down and I'm just charging forward. And uh, it's interesting. It's interesting to hear that. But yeah, I've written a bunch of books. Uh, I started off, I went to college and I don't think I'm a big deal. So like, let me be totally clear. Um, I just, I just, I just want to help and be a light in people's lives. Uh, I started off doing this in, in college and uh, I went to, to Indiana university after going to the university of Wisconsin in Madison and I had a miserable year. I struggled. I didn't find my people. I didn't find my places. My girlfriend dumped me 
her father compared our relationship to a dying puppy. It's kind of the story. Yeah, it was a long distance thing. And man, I was I was super in love. But then she 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 shot the puppy and uh, the relationship (laughs) was over and that was done. And uh, I was I was in this place in my life where everybody's, you know, says it's so wonderful. and, And I really struggled and it was very hard for me to find my way. And I eventually left University of Wisconsin Madison and went to Indiana. And it was at Indiana University that I started to find my way. It was still hard. You know, like change is hard. It doesn't matter. It's always hard. I mean, when you go from one place to another, it can be brutal. And I'd love to talk about, you know, your life changes and we can talk about my life changes. And because there's so many people I know who are dealing with life changes, like everything is changing so quickly, just given when we're recording this and what's going on in the world. So the idea that we could be great at change, I think it's just something more important than ever before because I sucked at change. I mean, I was just freaking miserable. It was just awful. And uh, I eventually learned that this was normal. And I started writing an advice column in the college newspaper after an internship at The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. So I'll date myself because <laughs> I like, like Leno, <laughs> Tonight Show. It's like now. now like, like, who's that? <laughs> right. Then nuts. Like, yeah, people don't know that. But I was an intern there and I got the idea to write my advice column. One of the writers had written advice. I went back to Indiana, started writing it. But then what I learned is that so many people were dealing with so many issues and we don't really talk about those issues or have the greatest resources to be able to figure out how to get through those issues. So I wrote that column and that became an entrepreneurial journey. And uh, that lasted a good 20 years. And and most recently, I'm not writing it for King Features, but I still offer advice and, and blogs and all of those things through my website. But yeah, over the years, I just learned that you know, life's uncomfortable. We struggle when it comes to taking risks. Uh, we suck at rejection. Uh, we really are incredibly worried about what other people think, feel, how they act and react. And what I want to do, you know, my mission is just I help people to take risks and, and to just tolerate the tough stuff so that they can align with the things that are most important to them and, and just enjoy being here while we're here because that's mm-hmm. what it's about. Yeah, and that really segues us into your book, Win or Learn, The Naked Truth About Turning Every Rejection Into Your Ultimate Success. And like you said, I think so many people struggle with rejection. People take things really personally, and we just really struggle with emotion in all of these complex changes and everything that we all face. But your book, I think, really feels like a little manual to breaking through a new mindset, which is super important today, especially in how much you know, we're almost bombarded with success stories that feel overnight thanks to social media. Um, And we all have those highlight reels. So I think in the moment, it's really easy to feel like a failure uh, or even become failures if we don't actually persist and learn and push through and figure out how to recalibrate where rejection is not something that's like completely crippling to us in the moment. Um, And I love this in your book too, because you call out some of the famous the famous sort of success stories that everyone forgets how many times they were rejected along the way to being successful, like Walt Disney being fired because he was told he lacked creativity, which is hilarious, or Michael Jordan not, you know, being cut from his freshman high school basketball team. I know even yourself, you noted in the book how you um, took you nine years to become a syndicated uh, columnist yeah. or five years to become a bestseller or 20 years to get win or learn published. So it's like, there's so much that goes in behind the scenes. And there are so many rejections that hit us where you're really faced with the choice of what you do with it to move your life in one direction or another moving forward. So what do you think win or learn 
or why do you think winter learn is so important today, especially? Uh, yeah. And like, what's one of the biggest hopes that you have from it with everyone who who picks up a copy? Yeah, well, I love listening to you talk about it because especially when it comes to the world we live in with social media, and I was even talking to you a little bit before we started our interview of just, or our conversation, because this isn't an interview. We're just, ch we're just chat <laughs> we're I look at this. I look at this as a conversation. Yeah. Um, it's a back and forth. But the idea that uh, we look around and see that there's so many people doing so many things and, and you know everybody's doing something more than us. And it's very easy to see that. And you know it's who's coming into our feed, even if we're watching a YouTube video, well, then there's going to be two promos of people who are doing something and they're like doing it better maybe, or what's their messaging and how are they able to create more influence? And what's the latest app that people are jumping on? And should I jump on that? And people have knowledge about that. And why don't I have knowledge about that? Especially when it comes to business, you have to pick and choose. And it's very hard to know that you're good enough. Uh, you know, I, I think that you probably, I don't know, you know, I would say, you know, you're an achiever. I would imagine you probably like to be uh, at the top, right? <laughs> what, what gave you that vibe? <laughs> right. So, you know, we're never going to be enough. And I think that that is so hard. Uh, it's so hard to, it's so hard to appreciate that because you're amazing, right? Like, you know, you kick ass in everything you do. And my, oh, my wife is like that. You know, that's, I have, a, I have a strong, a very strong partner who, is just amazing. And I always remind her that the cream always rises to the top. And I, and I truly believe that, that it does rise to the top and there's plenty of top and there's a, there's a lot of room for all the cream to rise to the top. It's not like, you know, I can't get to the top because the, there's too much cream above me. It's like, there's always room. I don't know if that's a good analogy, but, but, it, it makes sense, <laughs> but it's like, let's talk about an ocean of an ocean of coffee. Right? The cream can always rise to that ocean top of coffee. There's always enough room, but truly there is. But this, this idea that no matter what I say, no matter what I do, there is a law of the universe. And I think this law of the universe is so fundamental in this mindset shift that you talked about. And I love that you picked up on that mindset shift because you know, win or learn is, 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 a, is a mindset it is a way to frame everyday life so that you can tolerate the discomfort that comes with being someone who wants to create change because there's a law of the universe at play called the universal rejection truth, which we people allude to the universal rejection truth, but no one has really, I've seen labeled it and given it a very clear, concrete definition that says, just like gravity, which is a law of the universe, the universal rejection truth says, not everyone and everything will always respond to you the way you always want everyone and everything to respond. And that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you go to college, where you go to grad school, who your mom is, who your dad is, your race, religion, culture. This truth hits every one of us. And it's not something we're taught. In fact, we're taught the opposite. It's you need to be the best so that the best will want you so you can live the best life. And then you get into this world and you realize that it hurts and it's hard and people will dump me and people won't promote me and people won't select me in a leadership role. And I may not always get what I want. And I'm constantly faced with this evaluation of myself and my value. And the reality is, Erica, you're amazing, but you're never going to be, you're never going to be everything to everyone. And you're never yeah. going to be, you're never going to be enough. 
I'm never going to be enough. Like, I mean, it sounds almost mean to tell you, Erica, you're amazing, but you're never going to be enough. In the, <laughs> well, I think, in the, I think it also, just, it's like, you're never going to be enough for certain people. Cause it's that's like, the what I was gonna, that's so important. I wanted to make sure I got that because that part of how are you enough? Well, mm -hmm. I can only be enough in my own eyes and in my own, in my own soul. Right. And that's what you're saying. I, I didn't want to, I just wanted to make sure we got that because I, I said something that felt like felt kind of mean, um, <laughs> but like, you're never going to be enough. But the thing is you are enough. Like that's the thing. And I'm enough, but we don't, we don't learn how to feel enough. And that's, that's what this whole winner learn mindset and frameworks about. And it's what we do when we, when we coach and help. So mm -hmm. that part of like embracing the truth and really seeing like, this is a mindset and this will change, like this will blow your, your current you know, world up because you will become fearless in so many ways. Well, it's like the quote, I have no idea who originally said it, but it's always stuck with me. The quote that says, um, you can be the world's juiciest peach and there's still going to be someone who doesn't like peaches. Yeah. And it's that so true. And I think of, I think of Jesus too, or like Oprah, you know, like the few, the few people where pro more people in the world than not would know the name or know who you're talking about when you say the name. And it's like, you have people who are still, still aren't liked when they're doing yeah. on paper, everything right. So yeah. it's, it's literally an impossible feat if you set yourself up to be enough or be liked by every single person. And if you are in a position where you're trying to do that, I would say more often than not, you're probably not being your true authentic self because at that point you're shape-shifting to please some, to please different people who are all not actually aligned necessarily with, with you and who you are. So yeah, I think that's the hardest thing. I mean, even when it comes to marketing and being authentic and, you know, I, I've, I've been on this journey doing so many different types of things and playing so many different roles. And I finally feel liberated at this point in my life where, you know, I can be me and put myself out there. Uh, this book, this mindset, this approach, this reflection has really helped me to see that I could be the juiciest peach and people aren't going to like me or they're not going to like peaches. But the beauty is, and this is, and this is this, this part that's so, I think it's, it's so interesting. It's almost, uh, trying to find the right word. I'm a writer. See, I can't always find the right word. <laughs> it's, it's, um, oh, I was so busy trying to find the right word that, that I lost my train of thought in what I was saying. Oh, that's, this is, this is the beauty of me, of just us is, you know, I've, I think of myself as like, like, like I know what I'm talking about now. And, uh, sometimes I get so excited thinking about one thing and then I go on a tangent and I forget the next <laughs> thing. And it's just like, you know, I still am pretty good at what I do. So, you know, for anybody who's listening, who does that, I just want to tell you, like, you're great. And, you know, I'm, I could be your sacrificial writer, author, speaker <laughs> who could do this for you in the moment, just to liberate you. Um, know, right? But, but it has been freeing. Oh, and that brought me full circle to what I was originally going to say. That's the beautiful thing. You just ramble on enough. And, Some, it's this and idea then you of, eventually get there. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's this, this idea of, of giving myself permission. You know, this idea of giving myself permission to be flawed and imperfect, but to be me. And this whole idea of permission is, is really what I, was, what I was starting on, is that I give the world permission to not respond the way I always want. And, and this idea of living in a world without conditions, 
the idea that I can be so comfortable putting what I want out there that I can listen instead of resisting and fighting those who don't respond the way I want. Even a great example, you know, you're married, right? Yep. Yeah. And uh, can I ask you, how, how's your marriage? It's like, is it, this This could be, you know, I don't know, like, I'm not, I don't know anything. I'm just asking, you know, putting it out there. Yeah. Uh, we're doing pretty good. You, you communicate pretty, good. pretty well? Pretty well. More often than not, I would say. R right. And you have a child as well. We do. So I have three. Okay. My oldest is 14. Then I have a 10 year old. No, I don't have a 10 year old. That's a lie. He's 12. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Wow. He got old fast. Uh, so Time flies. Boy, that was quick. I have a 14 year old. I have a 12 year old and I have a seven year old. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that comes up. And my wife and I have to make a lot of decisions. You know, we, we have to deal with a lot. And uh, we, like, I really love our marriage. Hopefully, we'll, you know, I plan on staying together as long as we could stay together, you know, and have it be a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. But the thing that's helped my marriage, you want to hear the thing that's helped my marriage the most? Absolutely. <laughs> You're like, no, I don't. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear no. about your marriage, Harley. <laughs> Why don't you just move on to the next topic? <laughs> Uh, no, it's, it's been, I give my wife permission, right? And this is the part that sounds almost like egocentric, but it's, it's not, it's the complete opposite. I give my wife permission to respond however she wants. And I don't need her to validate me and to tell me I'm right for me to feel that I am offering something that is helpful and, and from a good place. Cause I used to seek validation and affirmation i don't know if you're a validation affirmation person are you uh, i'm not really i'm i think i'm i'm very much a realist where i'm kind of like cool. just tell me the facts of something and like even if it's even if it hurts my feelings i can take it i'd rather just like yeah hear it and i don't need fluff <laughs> right now if your partner does your partner need affirmation um he needs affirmation more than i do he yeah. likes he likes to be told more how much he's appreciated or yeah. like noticed more. Maybe it's I don't know if you're like that. Maybe it's a male thing, like the male ego, they say. But you know, it's more of like a of I hear you. It's I you know I've I've come to accept it. It's more of a love language. I don't know mm -hmm. if the five love yeah. languages is one of your is one of your books or go to books, but the five love languages, which by Gary Chapman is just such a wonderful book, and there are Must five read. love languages: touch and uh dedicated time and affirmation and gifts and and acts of service and i'm an affirmation person that's one of my love languages and i used to think that was kind of lame like why do i need someone to tell me that like i'm good or like appreciate <laughs> me it's like it seems so shallow like you know don't i know like i need my wife to tell i need people to be like harlan oh you're so good you did such a good job you <laughs> made such a great dinner i'm like loser like why but no i've come to accept that the affirmation thing it's okay it's like it's nice to be acknowledged and it's nice to be affirmed uh my wife is not an affirmation person she's an active service person so i can tell her how amazing she is and how beautiful she is and and how smart she is and she'll say but you didn't take out the garbage <laughs> you know and i'll be like but you're beautiful i, I take, you're you like know. can't you see i'm telling you <laughs> <laughs> take out the garbage <laughs> but you're so hot take out the garbage <laughs> doesn't really do much for her and um, and of course not I, I shouldn't comment on her physical appearance you're so smart you're so brilliant take out the garbage okay now i've corrected in case anybody thinks that i'm objectifying anyway. <laughs> So got got to worry about that. But this idea of permission. So what I've done is I 
because I'm linked to this affirmation piece, you know, I really wanted my wife to respond a certain way because it was even more important because of my love language. And when she wouldn't respond one way or another, which is rejection, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of rejection in marriage and in relationships, whether she rejects an idea that I have or a thought when it comes to parenting, whether uh, she rejects something I want to do with my, I mean, we have two families. We're so blessed that we have both our parents are, are, are alive and, and really active and wonderful. And, you know, family choices sometimes can come up. And even when it comes to intimacy, when it comes to, you know, somebody's looking for a little extra attention, maybe the other person's not in the mood for that. So there's so much rejection that's part of our everyday emotional life. But the beauty of this, and this is the secret, this has been so awesome, is I, I totally give her permission to respond however she wants. I don't place conditions. Mm -hmm. And if she isn't interested in what I want, or if she doesn't agree with how I feel, it's not emotional, it's data, it's information. Because I have released her of all requirements to respond one way or another. Now, of course, there are like fundamental things like, She's not going to like go on a date with the neighbor, you know, like that's <laughs> there, there are certain expectations that are just fundamental, almost like laws that are just kind of sacred. But this idea of giving the world permission. And I think that that same idea translates into marketing. It translates into leadership in the workplace. It translates into teaching. It translates into parenting because you know? mm -hmm. my kids, they reject me every day every single day they reject me and I have to make a choice. Am I going to fight that or am I going to try and understand it? And if I require them to say and do, especially during this, the quarantine time when there's so many changes and, and I have so little control, if I try to control them, well, then they're going to resent me and they're going to listen less to me and they're going to share little with me. So anyway, it's kind of, we, we kind of keep going, you can keep going down this rabbit hole, but everything is connected to when I'm in these situations, am I so connected to winning that if I don't get what I want, you're the problem or I'm the problem, or can I actually adopt this win or learn mindset, which enables me to be able to give others permission where it's like, you know, am I really giving them permission? No, I'm giving myself permission to actually be enough and to have value even when those around me don't reflect the things that I may want. Yeah. It's like not having a, a vested emotional connection where your view of self in some way is negatively impacted by a rejection. So it's like, I think that important separation between, like you said, receiving things as informational data points versus everything personally and as and emotionally where it's somehow a reflection of you instead of a reflection of the other person or maybe not even the other person it might be a reflection of like just the day the nature of the time something where it's not like a personal you versus me thing but it could be just a third party thing altogether yeah and in that part i love helping people to work through that and and you know in the book one of the steps is when you embrace this truth and then you take risks, you have to ask the question, is it me? Is it someone or something else? But the beauty of the universal rejection truth is that now it gives us somewhere to go because, or is this the universal rejection truth where I'm not gonna be able to change the outcome. But when you navigate that 
outcome and you process what it is you're getting, the feedback as information and don't intertwine all the emotion, you can honestly say, is it me? Well, you know what? It might be me. There's a lot of things I could do differently and I'm cool with that. Is it someone or something else? Well, someone might be having a difficult day. Uh, they might be dealing with some stress or trauma that's impacting how they're evaluating what I'm offering. So that idea of really listening and then asking the question, why? We just uh, you know, finished Valentine's Day a little bit ago. And, and you know, when people aren't interested in being another person's Valentine, a lot of times we don't ask the question, why? And you know, you know why we don't ask the question, why? Because right? someone might say, Harlan, your ears are too big. I don't date men with such big ears. And I'll be like, really? It's my ears that are the problem? It's your ears and you have a wife. Oh, yes. that. Uh, but <laughs> the idea that there could be something that's a fundamental part of me or I'm too short or I'm too whatever, uh, we don't want to know why. Uh, but the thing is, when you can go through this process and really love yourself, you can walk into any situation, any meeting, any risk, any encounter. And if let's say you're an 8.5, okay, I'm not, let's, I'll put, I'll put you a 9.5, Erica. I don't want to put you an 8.5. <laughs> oh, thanks. You could evaluate yourself. What do you think, do you want to do, do you want to evaluate yourself? Are you comfortable enough saying out of 10, um, you know, just like all categories, social, emotional, physical, uh, you know, financial, professional, if you were to average one out of 10 where you feel you are. Uh, what would you evaluate yourself or, or, you know, or if you're not comfortable, you don't have to evaluate yourself. Oh God. I don't, well, I feel like that's a trick <laughs> question though, because I feel like it's a sliding scale, like on, cause I can't do all the things all the time. So I feel like that's, you asked me today, I might be a seven and then tomorrow maybe I'm killing it and I'm feeling a little better. And then I'm yeah. an 8.5. Like it's, I feel like part of it is allowing yourself the grace to be on a sliding scale with pretty much everything in rejection too, where it's kind of like someone might reject you T today for one thing, but if you gain the skills or if something about you changes or you're bettering yourself in some way or they're changing in some way, minds might change and then the next day you're something else on the scale. So I don't yeah. necessarily feel like we're all, you know, one set thing on any scale. Right. If we're but, all growing and working on ourselves to be better for the next day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell, I'll give myself, I would say I'm probably, I'd say like I'm an 8.3 today um you know i i i like to be in the nines i think it's hard because there's just <laughs> there, it, nines nines are difficult i may have some 90s but maybe like 8.3 maybe 8.5 i worked out last night before i went to sleep for an hour and that, that really carried over but uh the idea of if i walk into a situation as an 8.3 and i take a risk whatever risk that is well i should leave that room as an 8.3 or an 8.4 Okay. Like that the idea of living by this rule that whatever I am, when I walk into that room, I will walk out at that same number or even slightly higher. And how do you do that? If you get rejected, you know, how do you do that? If you don't get the outcome you desire and that game of really being able to evaluate and, and have worthiness based on the act of offering, as opposed to evaluating based on other people's reactions or actions, I think is really where we become free mm -hmm. because it's like, if I know I'm going to be that certain value, I'll be okay. I, I, I talk about dating. I have a dating book as well. You know, I wrote a dating book because dating was always, you know, dating was frustrating. <laughs> uh, 
It was because it's like all these people in love and I'm not. Like, what's wrong with me? Well, Why? I mean, if you were likened to a dying puppy, then that's, <laughs> it's sad. <laughs> the, re the relationship, you know, I, I, that relationship, I, I loved this woman so much. And I thought she was the only person in the planet who could ever love me. And the idea of losing her was so devastating because I didn't live in a world of options. And it really taught me something because I survived and I dated, you know, many other women I mean, not like many but you know en enough <laughs> I, I dated who cares how many it doesn't matter but I dated and I found other things uh, about me that had value and I learned that the only way to really be in a healthy relationship is to know that I live in a world of options this isn't that I'm going to take advantage of the options it's this idea that when I know that I have options then the relationship is a choice and if the relationship is a choice then each of us are going to make decisions to continue to make that that relationship better the problem is when i think it's the only one because then someone has all the power because if that person then uh, wants to manipulate me or wants to leave or wants to make decisions that are in alignment with who they are and i'm threatened by that then i'm not going to want that person to do that and eventually i'm going to suffocate the relationship like you know I, it was long distance i was jealous i was afraid i didn't want her to meet other people because she was going to realize I wasn't good enough. Uh, but when you know you're enough, and that's that's so much of what this book is, it's a training guide so that you can identify what you want and you can face discomfort and you can find people and places to help you to get comfortable with the uncomfortable so you can train to know that you have value and worth so that you can take risks and celebrate, reflect, and repeat no matter what and continue to do this in all parts of your life knowing that you are always improving, always learning, and you have plenty of opportunities to win. Mm -hmm. Walk us through the three types of rejection too, because I know you mentioned this in the book, but I feel like that's a helpful thing for people to differentiate since we often think of of, of rejection as maybe this like one dimensional yeah. thing and not as complex as you lay it out in the book. It's so cool. It's fun to dig into rejection. Like so many people hear the word rejection and they're like, ooh, I don't want to talk about this. This is just so repulsive. It makes me so depressed. But the idea of really being friendly with rejection and 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 imagine that you are walking up to rejection and just being like, hey, how you doing? Like, what's up, rejection? And rejection is actually not a monster. Rejection's like, oh, I'm okay. You know, no one likes me. You know, it's really sad. But what's so sad about it? You know, people just misunderstand me because it's not personal. It's just this thing. Uh, there, there are three different forms of rejection that we'll encounter. The first form of rejection is self-rejection. And this is when we reject ourselves before allowing anyone else to reject us, thinking something's out of our league. And the idea that something's out of our league is absurd because we're the commissioner of our league. You know, we make the rules. So why is it that something's out of our league? It's because other people have told us and given us the message that we're not enough. Um, you know, we need to erase that. Yes, there might be some things that you physically aren't able to do, but it doesn't mean you can't be involved with those things. So self-rejection, uh, when we don't even give ourselves an opportunity to be vulnerable because we're so afraid of getting hurt. I think I think most people are really stuck stuck in that place, especially people who, I know you work with lots of people who have lots of wonderful ideas and are afraid to put them out there. I've even been afraid. I, mean, I was mentioning to you, I, I finally, like I am really comfortable, it's taken me a long time, with people not liking what I'm offering, trusting that more people will. And my only job is to offer without conditions. And if people want it, great. And if not, great. 
you know, it's like great. So that's getting over self-rejection. The next form of rejection is rejection by circumstance. And rejection by circumstances, there's a reason that you're not getting what you want. And that reason could have something to do with someone else, the world around us. Uh, there are some things that we're just not going to be able to get because the circumstance is, is one that might not be changed. Uh, can't, the circumstance may not be able to be changed. So once you can identify the circumstance, the why, well, then you can make a decision. If, it's, if the reason is, is something about me, you know, can I change that? Or is changing it going to be shape-shifting and compromise, compromise my identity and my values? And if that's the case, then, then I can't change. No, I will not change. Uh, and some things we can't change because it's just how we're born and who we are or how we look. So the third form of rejection is called raw rejection. And this means no matter what you say, no matter what you do, you will not be able to change the outcome. And a lot of people get really upset about this. But the universal rejection truth says that raw rejection is part of this human experience. So to think that it's exclusive to you is really not, it's not true. It's just not a fact. So raw rejection, while it might be painful because our brains process rejection the same way it processes physical pain, uh, what we need to do is accept these different forms and we need to, almost like an athlete, we need to train so that we have the emotional tolerance to to face all these different forms of rejection. But the only way to do this is if somebody tells us and teaches us about the universal rejection truth. And are, are you a growth mindset person? You know, Carol yeah. Dweck and growth. So growth mindset's wonderful. But the thing that's so scary about growth mindset is that if I give myself permission to grow, that means that I don't know the answer. And if I don't know the answer and I am fixed in, in who I think I am, then that's not something I will tolerate because I'm, I'm perfect. I get the answers. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reflection on me and my inadequacies. But once you embrace the universal rejection truth, which is a, a pretty, it just, it just seems intuitive and you know, it's, it's not a hard thing to convince people of. Well, then the idea of growing becomes something that is part of this experience. It's, 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 what, it's, what, it's what people who lead and, and change and create do so now I can adopt a growth mindset without fear of being not enough. Mm -hmm. So I think it really creates this universal rejection truth. I think anyone who's a growth mindset person, you know, I see this as being like the aha moment, like, oh my gosh, yes. Like that's the link. I get chills. Like that's the link to growth mindset. And that's why I think this, this book and you know, I, I want this book to, I just want this book to reach people. I have totally... I have totally accepted that I can only offer this book. And I just like, I just want it to resonate because I just know, like I just know in my gut, if people can just accept this and process it, they can apply it to any, any soft spot in their life. And it's like, oh my gosh, yes, this is totally cool. It's so much easier than I thought it would be. Do you think it's as simple as learning the universal rejection truth and accepting that, understanding that, embracing it from kind of that more logical perspective? Or do you think that there are maybe some additional tips or mindset tweaks that listeners should kind of intentionally go through once rejection hits? 
to kind of work themselves to it, if that makes sense. Like kind of like some sort of self-talk or some sort of internal dialogue that has to take place to kind of get people to a point of being like, you know what, this is this is the fact of what it is in a very informationally based, matter of fact kind of way. Yeah. So giving people you know, this knowledge or at least highlighting the universal rejection truth isn't going to fix everything right away. It's like, oh, you know, now I know this truth. Well, you know, you've kind of known it in some shape or form. But now that you can adopt this as a law of nature and be able to then integrate this into your life, it becomes so much easier to process any situation. Um, you know, a simple exercise is every day we're dealing with discomfort. You know, what is making me uncomfortable? What am I afraid of? Um, I'm afraid what someone's going to say or think or feel. A lot of times that's typically what it is. Well, that becomes my prompt to remind myself of the universal rejection truth. You know, is everyone required to say and think and feel exactly what I want? And the answer is, of course not. So all I can do is offer. But the, the, the other part that's so important is to be great at practicing risk-taking and to be able to really apply this win-or-learn mindset and this is the other step step in the book. And I should mention this book is so simple. Like this book is such a quick read. It is so it's like two hours, you're done. But the fundamentals of, okay, I want to change. I want to improve something in my life. Well, and I mentioned this even before we started, like, you know, you know, the stuff you do and, and your experiences are, are really amazing. And I'm looking for people who could be in my corner to help me to do everything I can in my power to share a message. So when I want something and I'm uncomfortable, it's people, places, and patients because we don't need to do this alone. I have a therapist who I, I love. My therapist has been such a wonderful person in my corner who I can talk to no matter what. This dude's paid to listen. Got no, she's got no choice, you know? So like, that's a really important thing. So as we go along our risk-taking adventure, it's reminding ourselves that yes, there's this truth, but in order to process all of these things that are linked to trauma and different brain, not, not all of them are linked to trauma. Some of the things in our past are linked to traumas. Some of them are, are linked to uncomfortable experiences where we've been hurt. So we, even though we're aware of the universal rejection truth, we don't want to, we don't want to poke our, 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 our foot into some of these uncomfortable places. And this is where the people places patience piece is so important. And it's, it's really having who are the five people in my corner who support me, who encourage me, who love me, who are going to tell me not just what I want to hear, but what I need to hear. Uh, where are the places I could put myself where I will be included no matter what? You know, this is where faith is, is, is a really valuable piece or professional groups or uh, alumni organizations or any place where you will be accepted and included and finding people who are living the life you want to live, finding people who reflect your values, finding people of integrity who have been down this path help you so that when you go through this process and face the discomfort and recognize, oh, the universal rejection truth, well, you know, how can I talk to those people and create the dynamics in my life so that I can withstand the discomfort it's going to come with continually putting myself in new and uncomfortable situations. Does, does that answer that question? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because it's 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 about practicing. I mean, this is this is something like yoga. It's something like exercise. It's every day. And I've got other tips in here of you know telling your story as if it's already happened. And and this is not a new concept. But the idea of Sunday jumping to Saturday, jumping to the future Saturday, and telling yourself the story of the week. 
I did a, a session the other day with some college students and they were like, Ooh, it's the scary Sundays. We're in the scary. I was like, scary Sundays. I don't, have you heard the expression scary Sundays? I actually think it's Sunday scaries, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is another example of my, of my imperfection. <laughs> Sunday scaries. Sunday scaries, Harlan. Uh, Come on. <laughs> I know. I'm becoming like an old man. Uh, <laughs> Get with I'm the so, times. Oh, so not right. So the Sunday scares, I'm like, well, let's make it, let's make it the fantastic Friday, you know, the Friday fantastics, you know, like, like, let's, let's shift this around. Let's go to the end of the week. And we did it as an exercise. And, uh, what they realized is the things that they were worried about, things that were causing them anxiety, because they're the most anxious, hopeless, stressed out generation in history, like statistically, 55.9% uh, of college students uh, shared that they felt hopeless in the past year. So like over half of college students, you know, they train to be hopeless and anxious and, uh, and scared. And they do it just because that's the way the system has been created you know from high school you got to work so hard so you can get in and then once you're in you're in a competitive environment i mean you know what that's like and it's 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 never enough so anyway we did this thing where you tell your story so another great trick is tell your story uh in this book we talk about telling your story of your experiment of your risk-taking experiment and you can jump 10 months ahead of uh, t 10 months into the future you know the, the amount of time it takes for for you know human being to to be formed and born. Uh, so this, this idea of using 10 months and telling the story of 10 months, you know, what did you change? What did you create? What do you want? And then really mapping that out of, and I put a template in the book of, you know, today is whatever day, 10 months in the future. I'm so proud of myself because I accomplished fill in the blank. The most uncomfortable part was fill in the blank. These, these people helped me get through this. These places provided support. Uh, took me this amount of time to get the results I wanted. And I'm so grateful that I was able to engage in this experiment. So you can, you can do that every, you can do that every day. You know, like I wake up in the morning and today during my shower, I was like, oh, it's such a great day. I was able to create a new, a new lesson. I'm, I'm doing a win or learn 25 day experiment, you know, while we're recording this and it's something that will be available for anyone. And uh, today I'm recording lesson 21 and I'm pretty psyched about that. And uh, I talked about the lesson as if it happened. So it's like, I do this all the time with, with everything, conversations with my wife, uh, conversations with my kids uh i'll just think ahead so instead of being stuck in all the anxiety and doubt well i can jump ahead and it's such a beautiful feeling so there's all these really fun ways to just play to play with it but you have to be willing to play with this with this it's almost like uh there's a show on netflix where people do uh glass sculpting i don't know if you've seen this i can't remember the name mm -hmm. of it it's really cool it's like uh it's like a competition like 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 um it's like a like a fashion competition, but this is where they're glass blowers. It's called Blown Away. I think that's what it's called. It's really fun, and um, you know, glass is so hot, and it can break, uh, and it can be really dangerous and scary. But these people know how to touch the glass and work through the glass and shape the glass, and they've become these unbelievable artisans. And I look at rejection as kind of being this thing that can be really hot and scary and dangerous, but it's also so beautiful once you can put your gloves on and be able to uh, welcome it into your life. Mm -hmm. And with telling your story as if it's already happened, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard this before and I feel like the, the key is telling it in past tense as if it has already happened, not using language like I will do this or I, or I in the future, not using futuristic language at all, but really honing in on the fact that it is, you're talking it as if it has already happened because your brain 
pays attention to that. And if yeah. it's, if you're saying, I will do this, there's not necessarily even a time marker on that in your head. It's just this constant perpetual thing in the future. It's not necessarily going to land, but if you are speaking as if something has already happened, your, your entire brain and psyche is going to naturally step up to the plate and start doing things and thinking things and just being things that make that statement true, even if it has not already happened yet. Yeah, and that's Which such I think a is wild. Yeah, it's a beautiful way to describe it. And you know, when our sensory experience can reflect something that hasn't quite happened, but our brain feels as if it has happened, and and this is part of the telling the story is to you know to feel what it feels like and to to imagine what what that what the texture is, or imagine what that smell is, or imagine what that sounds like, or imagine what it tastes like. So really engaging the senses and having this wonderful sensory experience of how it felt to impact millions of people and, and to change their lives, you know, and, and I've been doing that even with this, with this book, because you know, really, I just, gosh, I just, I just want people to feel and experience. It's, so, it's such a beautiful thing when people can uh, be able to, to create what they want and, and they have that. I have, um, I have some people who are participating in this winter learn experiment and, and they share their daily assignments with me. Anyone can do this at any time. And you could send it to me. I'm really responsive because people send me, they're sending me their stories now. And I get so confused because they tell me the date and what happened. And I'm like, wait, did this already happen? And then I have to look back because they're telling me these stories. And the thing is, I actually feel it. Like I, it's the craziest thing. I feel it through the story they're telling me when they send it. And the idea that I'm feeling it, I know they're feeling it. The idea that they're actually feeling this is so cool because now they get to deconstruct it and be able to create it. But the thing is, so many of us are so afraid of feeling it because we don't want to jinx it or we don't want to get hurt or we don't want people to judge us. It's like this silly game. So you know, if your brain doesn't know the difference, then close your eyes and do it. It's, it's so far. There's a silly thing that I do when I go to sleep. And my wife would make fun of me with this. She doesn't make fun of me as much, but when I have a hard time falling asleep, it's so stupid. I put this, <laughs> I put this in one of the lessons. And um, anyway, what I do is I'll close my eyes and I will imagine that I am weightless and I am floating through space. Like I'll imagine I'm like just maybe in a spacesuit, just floating through space. And it is the most exhilarating, liberating feeling. And my brain like thinks I'm in space. It's like, <laughs> it's like my brain doesn't know the difference. My brain's kind of naive, but yet I experience this. And then when I open my eyes, you know, I'm not in space, but I, I typically fall asleep. I was telling my wife, I'm like, Shh, you know, please, I'm just, I'm floating through space. Just please. I can't answer that right now. <laughs> I'm on my space walk, <laughs> but we could do that with anything, you know, anything that we, we want to create experience or change to give ourselves permission to go on this journey, meditation and, and, um, and some of the other exercises, you know, reading and writing and journaling. Those are, those are all wonderful ways. Those are all wonderful ways to do this. And, you know, this, this reminds me, you were talking before about some strategies or tactics, ways to really incorporate the universal rejection truth into your life. And another piece is habits, rituals, and daily practices. I mean, when we're doing things like, you know, I exercise not because I necessarily like it most of the, some of the time, 
I do it just because I know it can help me to stay aligned, you know, practices and rituals and uh, keep me from being fear-based. Um, so those, those really help us to stay on track. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Harlan, I want to close out by asking you a question I ask all guests who come on Thrive. Uh, and that is, what does Thrive mean to you? And how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? Thrive means feeling a sense of energy, hope, and joy throughout the day. Waking up and having that be the initial feeling. Going through life, getting shaken, but then still being able to align with that joy, with that hope, with that excitement, and living, actually practicing it, experiencing it, engaging all the senses in it, and doing that as frequently as possible. And to me, that's thriving. You know, that's, that's thriving in, in the most joyful, brightest way. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Tell everyone where they can find you online and also where they can get their hands on a copy of Win or Learn. Yeah, so you can find me in lots of places. The most difficult part is spelling my name, but it's really not that hard. It's Harlan, H-A-R-L-A-N Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, HarlanCohen.com. And the website's a great place to start, but I'm also on Instagram, and I've been doing a lot on TikTok. On TikTok, I'm Help Me Harlan, H-E-L-P-M-E-H-A-R-L-A-N. So you can find me on Facebook as well. And I interact with people. Like, if you dig this and, you know, you want to you want to let me know, that's cool. And uh, if you want to engage in this risk-taking experiment, you want to change, create, uh, experience something that's going to provide some joy in your life, then jump on board and uh, know that I'm in your corner. And I'm just so grateful to be here with you. And, and I just am so thankful that we can share this with others who will appreciate it. Absolutely. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.